0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. I'm speaking tonight on the subject oh, comma, but you can. Everybody say oh, oh. But, you but you can. Amen. I'll read some scripture after a while, but right now, let's preach. You may be seated. God created, oh, by the way, Sunday is uh, Memorial Day, and it's more than the racing of the Indianapolis 500. We're going to honor our veterans. We're going to honor those fallen. We're going to have a wonderful time here. we got films, we got presentations, and the pastor's going to be speaking in that service. So I want you here on Memorial Day if you're in town. Now, listen to me. I hadn't said this in a long time, but if you're in town, remember it's just mind over mattress. (laughs) Just get up, go ahead and get up. Oh, it's a holiday preacher. No, it's not. It's a it's a it's a worship day. It's mind over mattress. Come on to the house of the Lord. Give Jesus your first hour of the first day of the week. It helps you in your life. God created the earth in six days. It was splendid, it was incredible, and it is beautiful. He made a perfect world for man, perfect. The sun rises, the sun sets. And the moon, reflecting the sun, is the light that we see by night. Rivers flowed, oceans rolled. Fish swam, birds sang. Animals fed on the green of earth. Then, on the sixth day, God made man. And in no time at all, Man messed up God's creation. The world was in shambles because of sin. Two people caused God to curse the man, the woman, the ground, and the serpent. It's amazing how sin can mess up a perfect world. Can I get an amen to that? The world is foiled by the serpent called Satan. And what does a God do when he has created perfection only to see it destroyed so quickly? What was God's response? How did he react? What did God do? What we all must do in those times when our world is messed up and chaos abounds, we have to do the same thing God did. We have to find a starting point. God had to find a starting point. He had to start over. So he looks to Cain and Abel, and there's no good fortune there. He looked to Seth, who was the substitute for Abel when Cain slew him, and it wasn't found there. He tried for 969 years with Methuselah, the oldest man that ever lived, whose name means when he dies, judgment's coming, but it didn't work. And Noah did find grace and he built an ark. And he came out, planted a vineyard, got drunk, committed immoral sin. But finally, God found a starting place. He found a place to start. He invited an Ur of the Chaldeans, a man named Abram, to trust him. He made Abram a deal. He said, I will be your God He said, in essence, if you and your progeny will be my people, you want a deal? He said, I will bless you and make you a blessing to all people. And all I require of you is that you trust me enough to obey what I ask you to do and to say yes to me. That's all I ask. Abraham became the father of faith. Wow, what a mighty mantle he carried because he said yes and he trusted this God who said, let's make a deal in our lives. 2 Corinthians said, for all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. Everybody say "Every every promise that God sends Is a yes. Yes. I don't don't know if you understand that or not. Every promise that God sends is a yes. Yes. There is never a no in God's promises. Can you wrap your brain around that? Matthew 5 said, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. I want to change the title of this message right now, and I'm just on page number seven. I want to change it from, but, oh, but you can, to this title, oh, but yes, you can. Now, it sounds pretty simple right now, but just hang on, we're going to get on the scuba gear in a little bit here. The title is the same, with one exception, the word Y-E-S, that change is purposeful. Somewhere in your life, if you're ever going to walk in victory, total victory, and live in triumph, you have to say yes to the God of heaven. You have to have faith, you have to say yes to the God of faith. You, and to be consistent, you have to say yes to God. In the Old Testament there's a call of the great prophet Jeremiah. His call is undeniable. His call is personally addressed and divinely delivered. Who among us has not dreamed of receiving such a direct and clear and unequivocal call by God to a particular life and to a particular course of action, to a particular speech? Yet Jeremiah, his first instinct, his immediate gut reaction to God's signed special delivery is no, no. Quick as he can, Jeremiah comes up with not one, but two perfect reasons why he can't possibly do what God has just announced him to do. He said, first of all, I don't know how to speak. I can't talk. I can't speak to these people. Well, you're doing pretty good talking to me. God could have said, but he didn't. But he carefully further qualified his no by additionally noting that second reason, as if the Lord were somehow unaware of this detail. He said, I am only a youth. I called it, I am only a boy. I am only a kid. Now watch how God has a practice of dealing with naysayers. (laughs) From Adam to Abraham, from Jacob to Moses, God has never taken no for an answer. If you're gonna work for him, you gotta learn how to say yes to him. And so Yahweh had forced Adam and Eve out from behind the bushes. He brought offspring to an admittedly ancient Abraham and Sarah. He had wrestled with Jacob all night long at Peniel and had repeatedly told Moses to go talk to Pharaoh until he got the people out. And the stammering hesitancy of Jeremiah was no match for God's, oh yes, yes. You will. Do not say, God said to him, I am only. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. In other words, he's like Geraldine was to me when I was a kid, that's my mama. She said, you're not gonna say no to your mama, son. Do you understand that? I got some soap in that bathroom. I'll wash your mouth out with soap. You're not gonna say no. And when I learned how to say yes to mama, I started saying a whole bunch of yeses to God Almighty. Maybe, Maybe it starts in the home saying yes to mom and dad. But wouldn't it make life a lot simpler if we would all just wise up and learn to say no to those who would lead us astray and yes to the God of the universe who wants to save us. There's a dynamic congregational church a Christian church in Canada in Brantford, Ontario. You know what the name is? Yes Church. I'm gonna go visit it one day and I'm gonna ask to speak. I'm gonna tell them my priest about their church one night. What a great name for a church. Why don't you turn to somebody and say, let's make this place a yes church. Come on. We're not gonna change the name of a church. Let's just make this place a yes place. Do you have what it takes to be a yes Christian is what I wanna ask you. Do you have what it takes to say, Lord, you know what? I'm tired of saying no to you and less to everything else. I'm ready to start saying yes to you and no to everything else. (laughs) Hallelujah. How do I learn to say yes? I'm going to give you three simple reasons. First of all, you got to make up your mind. There's nothing like a made up mind. There are some people who can't seem to make up their mind. The Bible said a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. They want to always keep their options open. Okay, God, I'm gonna be celibate unless I see this gorgeous woman. (laughs) And Lord, I'm gonna be single unless this guy just comes up and just says, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And God, forgive me, I'm sorry. I'm gonna say no to you and yes to him. Stay with me now. Make a commitment to almighty God one way or the other. Make up your mind. You're joining a party and you are joining a body of Christ. And it's time right here in the month of May to start saying yes yes to God and no to the things around you. Make up your mind. Secondly, give everything you are to everything God is. Amen. Receive Jesus in your mind. Receive Jesus in your heart. Receive Jesus in your body. Receive Jesus with all your heart and all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength, that you may be the representative of Jesus in this world. Give everything you are to Almighty God. You know, Pastor, I think I could give my time and my talent, but I don't know if I can give my treasure. Let me say something to you. Let me say something to you. If you'll pay a lot of money to go see a football game, you'll pay a lot of money to go have a big time over, over, over the weekend, why don't you let God know that you get a big time from him every now and then? Why don't you just go ahead and put your treasure in the house? For where your treasure is, that's where your heart's gonna be also. You can't just give him part of yourself. You gotta give him all yourself. You gotta start saying, God, I'm gonna divvy up. It's time for me to be a part of this church. They built this thing so I could come and worship in it and I don't wanna sit here and think it's a freebie. I wanna give to this church because you have done something for my life in this house. Amen. I'll preach on money about another year. That's about the last you'll hear from me for a while. But the third is to say yes to God means that you will be maligned and persecuted for saying no to some of the dictates and directives of the world. Part of learning to say yes to God necessarily involves learning how to say no to powers, people, and pressures that loom large in your life and squeeze you into a mold of the world. Let me just say something. Many people are engaged to the possibility of a miracle but they refuse to do their nuptials. They refuse to marry it. They wanna date it. They wanna hang out with it. They like it when things are not going good out there, but why don't you just go ahead and sell out and say, I'm tired of being engaged to the Messiah. I wanna be married to Jesus Christ. I wanna take him as my all in all. Come on, I'm teaching to you tonight. I'm talking to you. Come on, it's time. It's time to say yes. Everybody say yes. Yes. It's time to say yes to the Lord. There is a story in Matthew chapter one. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused or engaged to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And then Joseph, her husband being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, oh, this is powerful. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, you son of David, fear not to take unto you Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is not from somebody else. It's of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Everything that you feel in this house, whether it be by word or song or praise or prayer, is by the Holy Ghost. We don't take any credit in this house. This is a Holy Spirit-filled house. It's a Holy Spirit-led house. It's a Holy Spirit-touched house. It's a Holy Spirit that can change your life. And I'm telling you, you might as well just go ahead and say, put the ring on my finger and let the world know I'm married to the Jesus of heaven and nothing is gonna separate me from him. Is that all right? Can I talk to you like that? Come on now. Is that all right? I don't want to get too hard on you. You're only a commitment away from being married to the possibility of a miracle in your life. Some people say, well, you know, how how is that family blessed? Man, what have they got? What do they eat? Where do they shop? What kind of food are they eating? How do they always seem to be up and not down? They decided a long time ago they just wasn't gonna date Jesus. They are gonna go ahead and say, sign me up. I wanna be called by your name. I wanna be filled with your spirit. I wanna walk with you every day of my life and you're gonna get the yeses in my life and this cancel culture is gonna get the no of my life. And I'm going to live for you in spite of everybody around me. You know what, folks? When you make that kind of commitment to Jesus Christ, everything starts being up. You just start being up. Did you ever see the movie Up? The little man that got on the balloon and went up, you know, up, the up, the up movie. I love that movie because it reminds me of what Jesus does for you when you really sign on with him and you say, I really want to be a part of this thing, you take an up journey. And I promise you, your downs will be just real minor, and your ups will be real major. Because God Almighty loves people that sign on to him and say, I'm in this for real. Come on, clap your hands real big. John 14 says, I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the father and that I do exactly what my father has commanded me. That's what Jesus told his disciples. That statement alone shook the gates of hell off its hinges. If Jesus obeys the will of the father, it's gonna be a bad day in hell. (laughs) There would be less war in our lives. If there would be more obedience to the word of God in our lives, if you're obedient to the word of God, the prince of this world will have no hold on you. So I'm going to say it again. Someone needs to say yes Yes. to the Lord while the promises of God are yea and amen. We must respond appropriately if we want to receive them. So we're going to do a little exercise here, folks. They may seem a little goofy to all some of you educated people. But we're fervently admonished, strongly advised, and emphatically encouraged to let our yeses be yes and our noes be no. The blessings of God require a personal response, not a congregational response, a personal response. In a sense, the blessing of God hinges on two questions. Does God want to bless humanity? Yes. Does humanity want to be blessed? Well, you did good on that. The amen, yes, litany. Here it is, the litany of affirmation. You ready? What do you say if I tell you God is good? You're gonna have to beat that. What do do you say if I tell you God's good? What do you say if I tell you God created the world and all that's within it? What do you say? Oh, this is sounding good. What do you say if I say God chose Abraham and Sarah to be the father and mother of God's holy people? What do you say when I tell you God delivered that chosen people out of slavery and God will deliver you out of whatever enslaves your life? Woo! What do you say when I tell you God gave Moses the law so that the people might know and obey God and God has given us some absolutes also? What do you say when I tell you God spoke to Israel through prophets and priests and peasants, and God still speaks through prophets and priests and peasants? What do you say when I say God chose a young woman named Mary to bring the love of God into this world in the form of a helpless baby? What do you say at the arrival of the baby Jesus, the incarnate word? What do you say when I tell you that God so loved the world that God gave and gave and gave? say when I tell you God raised Jesus Christ from the grave and shattered death's power forever. Oh, yes. Yes. Woo! Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If I was coach of a football team right now, that'd be my halftime speech. I'd say go out there and take care of that other team and just knock their head off. You need to walk out of this service tonight saying, I am a yes man. I'm a yes woman. It's not to a preacher, it's to a God. I am going to turn my life toward him completely. And all God's people say yes. Yes. Woo, hallelujah. Uh, Let me come down. God's answer is certain, emphatic, and unequivocal. 2 Corinthians 1 says, For the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, to the glory of God by us. However, sometimes our answer is less certain. Compared to God's resounding yes, sometimes our response is rather tentative, even weak. Maybe or perhaps, we say. Not a no, but maybe or perhaps. It's because our answer is twofold, requiring us to say yes to God and no to sin. We are told in James 5, above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yeses be yes and your noes be no, lest you fall into condemnation. I want to wrap this up tonight. I'm not ready to wrap it up, but I'm going to wrap it up. Don't leave me yet. Consider the impotent man in John 5. Let's just consider it. Let's just break this down a little bit. After this, John 5, verse 1, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went to Jerusalem. Now, there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. This is a powerful story. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water, what whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity, watch this now, for 38 years. 38 years. That's how old my middle daughter is, 38 years. He had had that infirmity 38 years. 38 years God's promise had been yes. In 38 years the man stayed the same. For 32 years, I've been preaching in this church and God's always said yes. For 32 years, some people have come and gone, but they've never said yes back to him. Now, not one time in 38 years had he said yes to God and no to impotence. Why, his response tells us. Verse six, Jesus asked him, when Jesus saw him lie and knew he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, will you be made whole? And the impotent man responds, sir, I have no man. I I love this little excuse, guy. When the water is troubled to put me in the pool, there's nobody to pick me up and throw me in there. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. He places, watch this now, his decision in the hands of another man. He gave his choice to someone else. He surrendered his free will to the whim of his fellow man. His answer was always contingent upon what someone else thought was possible. His fate was decided for him by what someone determined or deemed possible. Let me tell you as pastor of this congregation, there is nothing impossible with the God that I'm preaching about tonight. Nothing, nothing. Pastor, you don't understand my family, we're mixed up. There is nothing impossible with God. You don't understand where my kids are pastor, they're running wild. There is nothing impossible with God. You don't understand my addiction, pastor. I've got addictions that I cannot get over. There is nothing impossible with God. You don't understand, pastor. I've got a bad past, I can't overcome my past. There is nothing impossible with God. You don't understand pastor, I don't have the boldness to stand up in my office and declare the goodness of God in my life. There is nothing impossible with God. I'm about to lose my mind preaching. I love this Jesus I'm preaching about here tonight. I love him. I love him. Jesus said to him, Now, when he said, His answer was always contingent on that. And see, when he heard and heeded the voice of Jesus, the miraculous took place. When he said yes to God, yes, he walked. Watch verse eight. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately, not next Tuesday, immediately, the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. And the Jews therefore said to him, that was cured It's the Sabbath day. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. Man, people will get you for everything. The religious police of this world write a ticket for any little thing that you do when you say, I'm gonna serve Jesus Christ. He answered them, he that made me whole, the same said unto me, take your bed up and walk. Then they asked him, what man is that which said to you, take up your bed and walk? And he said, that was healed. Did not know who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away a multitude. Being, he didn't even know who said that to him. But one yes requires another yes, and that yes requires an even more emphatic no. Listen to what Jesus tells him the second time he sees him afterward. Verse fourteen: Jesus finds this same man in the temple and said to him, "Behold, you are made whole. Now watch this now. Sin no more." lest a worse thing comes on you. It's as though Jesus is telling him the secret to spiritual blessing. You got this way by saying yes to me or yes to got this way by saying yes to sin and no to me. You'll remain healthy and upright and mobile and productive by saying yes to me and no to sin. Please understand this. This man is totally different than the man in Acts 3 whom Peter and John encountered. That man was lame from his mother's womb. He had never made bad choices. He was laid at the temple daily. His condition was attributable to sin because it was Adam's sin more than his own. But the man in John 5 has created his own condition by making poor choices then perpetuating that condition by looking for a man or for a solution or worse blaming man anyone other than himself. I want you to, I want you to say this very quietly to yourself. I'm the master of my fate. I make my choices. And then my choices make me. And Jesus, I want to choose you for the rest of my life. This three-part series is going to help you do that. It's going to help you do that. We're going to talk next week about this again. And we're going to talk the next week about this. And if you're here tonight, I want you to be here. I promise you, it'll get easier to listen to. But tonight, I've just kind of of burned some bridges for you. Verse 15, the man said it was Jesus who made him whole. So the man ratted Jesus out after Jesus had rooted him out. (laughs) You know, sometimes we can't comprehend free will. We can't comprehend it. I read, studying this, this lesson, I read that the heart beats in man even after we die through decomposition. The heart has been known to beat up to four, four and a half minutes after the brain has said, I'm gone, I'm dead. And the longest heart that came back, the longest heart that brought a man back was four minutes and 20 seconds. It just kept beating and said, I'm not gonna die. And the man came back to life. Here's what I'm telling you. Decisions sometimes put us in a bad place. And we say, God, I just don't think I can do this anymore. And the heart says, we're going to make it work. And that heart just keeps beating and that mind just keeps wrestling and the mind says i can't and the heart says we can and the mind says no and the, and the heart says yes and the mind says no i'm so glad that when you've run into your wits end that heart says come on i'm still beaten i still want that god that made me My soul still cries out for you. My conscience still says, heal me, Lord, heal me. And that's what God does even when we run amok. Even when we go off the rail, God knows how to make our heart just keep beating. Say, I'm gonna come back to you. Why don't you let the one that put that heart in there, let that heart carry you through the crisis and through the turmoils of life and say, I will say yes. I will say yes yes. I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story In closing tonight I felt a call to the ministry when I was 14 years old But I was too embarrassed to tell anybody Because what's a 14 year old kid going to say I'm a preacher Y'all better get right You're going to go to hell You know But then things got in the way. Things got in my way. You know, some people think that preachers like Pastor Rex and Pastor Brad and Pastor Phil and people think that we we never had crucibles. We never had crisis in our life. But I was pulled away by a relationship. The first girl that I ever really liked in my freshman year of college and she was a good girl. She really was. She's was a good girl. But when I would try to talk to her about what I was and what my dreams were, she would uh, she would balk. And I, I came to this I came to this crossroad. I came to this crossroad. And uh, do I go with her? Her family was very, very wealthy. I would probably, they lived in a small town and I'd probably been able to take their business and be a wealthy man. Or do I travel this road that I said yes to when I was 14? Couldn't have it both, couldn't have it both ways. And I chose the path. Let's travel. I said yes, and I'll never forget. I'll never forget when I when I came and told her that this was this was over. She cried. She bragged on me like I was president or something. I was the greatest guy she ever knew and most handsome guy and just everything. And I went home, looked in the mirror, and I said, now she lied on that that second one. (laughs) So I started preaching. Fell in love with a sweet girl from Odessa, Texas. Married her. We lived together eight years, six months, 11 days, and 14 hours. She was killed, my little boy, a drunk driver. And a few days later, we had their funeral. And then a few days later, a letter came to me. And it was from the young lady that was my first real interest in college and the letter was one of the most beautiful letters I ever read and it said simply this I'm so glad you made the right choice even though it broke my heart you made the right choice and she said I understand now that you were real about your decision and I wept And I said, thank you, Lord. I'm glad I said yes. I'm glad I said yes. I said yes to you and no to the things that would take me away from what I wanted to do. I said yes. I'm standing here tonight with a beautiful wife and three wonderful daughters and three kind of wonderful son-in-laws. and nine precious precious grandkids and it's easy now to say yes you know it's easy but every one of you are going to be tested cause yes has got to mean yes not maybe not nearly but yes and everybody say i can do that pastor Stand to your feet all over the building. You're incredible, incredible people. Thank you for letting me get real with you sometimes like this. I love you very, very much. I love you very, very much. Dear Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your blessing of favor upon this house. Thank you for the goodness. Thank you for the goodness of God in our lives. And we're so happy, Lord, that we said yes to you. And I was just a young boy and even though I, I wobbled a little bit in my walk and I wavered a little in my walk, you kept me straight and I continued to walk in the right path. And God, all of us are gonna be tempted because hell doesn't want anybody going to heaven. It's hell's desire to make us all be defeated. But God, it's not your will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And if you be for us, who can be against us? <laughs> And we honor you tonight, Jesus, with all of our hearts. Let these young men, these young women, these adults, let them all say yes tonight to you. I will be a yes person in the kingdom. I will be a yes person in the kingdom. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. If you enjoyed the word, clap your hands all over the house tonight. Clap your hands. Clap your hands. Clap your hands all over the house tonight. Hallelujah, let's sing with the praise band. Let's sing, let's sing. You're dismissed, I love you, God bless you.